Welcome to the Conservation Defined Podcast, a series where we highlight different aspects of wildlife conservation through interviews with guests from a variety of backgrounds that actively work and support conservation efforts. I'm your host. My name is Ols Lafer. I'm a board member of the Albanian Ornithological Society. By background, to the surprise of many, I'm an archaeologist, but a huge fan of nature issues. Yeah, I would not go actually too long into mentioning uh, what kind of bird species I love most, because today we're going to be discussing two very beloved and popular species, the Dalmatian pelican and the great white pelican, more specifically about their population and conservation efforts in the Balkans. To help tackle this topic appropriately, we have invited a very special guest. Among other things, he is a biologist, one of the founders of the Society for the Protection of Prespa, winner of the Goldman Environmental Prize in 2001 for his conservation efforts in Prespa area and chairman of IUCN Pelican Specialists Group. He is Dr. Yorgos Katsadorakis. Yorgo, I know I missed a lot of things in the presentation of yours. Please share with us and the audience just simple thoughts who you are, what you do, what you love most. Thank you very much. You have said, the, I think, the most uh, um, important features. Uh, well, I studied biology in, uh, in uh, the University of Athens. I uh, finished my bachelor studies in 1983 and I moved to Prespa, to the Greek part of Prespa, uh, to follow um, to um, to carry out um, a PhD, which uh, I initially wanted to be about pelicans, but uh, this was not possible for a variety of reasons. And uh, then I shifted uh, uh, to uh, small birds, but the fate was that um, after a few years, I was also involved with uh, pelican research that had started uh, in the Prespa area uh, around the, eight, the, the end of 70s uh, and was done by the, by the biological station of Tour de Valla from France, uh, which was studying uh, uh, Dalmatian pelicans mainly and great white pelicans in Prespa and other uh, areas in Europe. So I was involved in this study and um, since I am working with pelicans in, uh, since 1987, in 1999, I participated in the foundation of the uh, Society for the Protection of Prespa, and I continued working with pelicans, um, both in Prespa and in other areas. And that's why, that's why Yorgo, we have, we have you today here, because you started quite early in time. You're still carrying on with your research and your work and the conclusions uh, of what you do are uh, so important to everyone who is studying uh, the pelican and the, the white pelican. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, we are trying to we are trying to uh, continue uh, uh, work uh, with uh, pelicans. Uh, there are still so many things to uh, to know. Uh, there are still so many things to uh, achieve in order to to ensure their conservation. So there is much work to do. Excellent. Yeah. And uh, it's several years now uh, that I've heard a lot about these species and those species from AIS. I've been part of the visits 
organized by AOS at the Diviaka Caravasta National Park, uh, monitoring the pelican. I've been a trainer in a youth camp uh, at this national park, advocating for the protection of uh, wildlife, organized by the uh, Albanian Ornithological Society, and I've seen quite a lot of passion from youngsters uh, to, to, let's say, to, to lead this challenge and to uh, cope with the problems that uh, this, uh, this species faces. And uh, in this regard, I, I would actually make a personal um, uh, remark on your uh, brief and very interesting presentation of your uh, professional achievements and your dedication to the study of the pelican, but not only. Uh, you, you mentioned that you started working in the Prespa area before the 1990s. Can you, and this is totally out of, um, of any possible script I could have thought about our discussion today, have you ever looked across the, the border and thought what was happening in Albania regarding the pelican before the 1990s? Because I know Albania was rather close from its neighbors and perhaps not as much of the scientific research, perhaps, I may be wrong, but perhaps not as much information regarding this kind of scientific research was making its way uh, across the borders. Is that something you thought about it when you started working in the area before the 1990s? Well, at that time, it was not so much clear how much uh, communication exists between the colonies. We knew about the existence of the Caravasta Diviake uh, colony. Uh, we have read all um, available uh, publications at that time. There were few, but there were uh, there were some publications by Lamani and some other people. And um, but uh, we had a, a very direct, um, a very direct understand um, feeling, let's say, of the um, transboundary uh, transboundary dimension of this uh, pelican issue because. The uh, one of the two colonies that existed at that time in the Greek part of Prespa was so much close to the borderline with Albania uh, in the Lake Bikri Prespa, uh, so that um, uh, of course pelicans were both visiting the Albanian part, the Greek part, everything. So <laughs> no, need, uh, it, no need for and, visa at the time no, for the pelicans. Exa <laughs> exactly, and so we had a. We we had to approach so much the the the, the Greek Albanian borderline in order to uh, to to be at the Pelican colonies uh, at that part. So uh, uh, we felt we were working for something common. Uh, it, exactly. it was not uh, Greek. It was not Albanian. It was somewhere there in between. <laughs> so uh, exactly right from the start, we had this feeling that uh, we are working for a bird which. Uh, knows no uh, borders and uh, it's a common uh, it's a common uh, case uh, for both uh, Greeks and Albanians. <laughs> uh, well said, Diorgo. Well said. Yeah, it uh, it gives me a huge pleasure to to hear your um, early thoughts on and your early feelings regarding this research. And uh, let me just share with you and our kind audience that. The Dalmatian pelican is a fan favorite here in Albania when it comes to birds. It is a symbol of the Diviaka Caravasta National Park, and this episode uh, is coming out exactly on May 10th, which is not so coincidentally happens to be the Dalmatian Pelican Day in Albania. So, Jorga, I've prepared uh, a couple of uh, questions for our discussion today. Uh, they're not so long. I believe uh, they're uh, straight to the point and give uh, ample space for uh, 
for you bringing your own expertise into answering them and sharing your thoughts uh, with our with our audience. So I will not uh, 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 lose any more time, and I will jump into the first topic which I prepared for our discussion today. And um, of course, underline the fact that uh, you, as a world-known expert, when it comes to the Dalmatian pelican and the great white pelican, you have quite a lot to share. And uh, it's our pleasure to actually be able to hear from uh, what you may say today. And you've been working and studying for so many years with them, as you, as you uh, rightly uh, introduced uh, yourself to us at the beginning of our discussion. Can you tell us how these two species populations have changed over the years in the Balkans from when you started working compared to today? Are they on the increase or are they on the decline? Yes, first of all, uh, the, um, let me agree with uh, your uh, 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 all those people that uh, consider pelicans as, um, uh, as iconic species because they are um, uh, some among the, 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 the biggest uh, flying birds in the world and uh, they are so impressive and they have impressed people from ancient times and they are among the most, uh, you know, most familiar birds, wild birds. So uh, I was also uh, enchanted by, uh, by pelicans and their flights and their appearance. Uh, but in, when we started, um, when I started working with pelicans in the uh, mid eighties, uh, there were much fewer information available for these two species of pelicans about their world status, about their global status, how many they are, how many colonies there are. Uh, so the information was uh, uh, about their present status at that time was much less than we have today. Uh, of course, there was pretty much information about their biology and ecology, especially coming from uh, 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 from uh, scientists from uh, the ex-Soviet Union who had uh, uh, had studied them uh, in the 50s and the 60s, but for the Balkans, for example, there were no uh, information at that time, and that is was that was uh, prompted our involvement with the pelican conservation because we knew so very few things, and at that time. Uh, we knew there were the Dalmatian pelican was a, a threatened bird, a, a, a endangered bird, because uh, they were um, the information we had about the global numbers of this bird were was low. Uh, the, its population at that time, um, uh, let's say, for example, uh, in Greece that we know, I, and I can tell you the, the numbers for Greece. Uh, we knew uh, the uh, at that time there were two colonies one in Presman and one in Ambrakikos, and their numbers were 10 times less than they are now. Ah, that's uh, very interesting were, fact. That's very there interesting. were around 100 pairs in those, in, uh, 120 pairs in those two colonies. And we knew also that in the Caravasta colony, for example, there were very few of them nesting. Um, an uncertain and undulating, uh, fluctuating number. Uh, the same for uh, for Lake Skodra uh, up there in uh, between yes. uh, Albania and Montenegro. So uh, why was that? Uh, we knew roughly the the reasons for these low numbers, for these low numbers that we know about this. And 
uh, we knew that there were much more uh, disturbance and persecution at that time when we started in the 70s and the and 80s. We knew that there were much more disturbance of the nesting colonies and heavier persecution. We don't forget that only a few years ago in the 60s, uh, at least in Greece and perhaps in other countries, I don't know, uh, you know, pelicans were considered as a, as a vermin. Uh, as uh, uh, enemies of fishermen because they were competing with them for yes. the same fish. So yes. uh, the state authorities were paying uh, people to kill pelicans, to destroy their eggs and kill their chicks at that time. So there was not much uh, time that had elapsed between this situation and uh, the new situation that was uh, uh, emerging at that time in the late 70s and 80s uh, where, when this bird was, uh, for example, the Dalmatian pelican was starting to be considered a threatened and endangered bird that was close to extinction. So there was much more disturbance and persecution to the colonies. There were higher mortality by collisions to wires and the, all this, the, the much higher mortality. Uh, there were much less protection laws at that time. So this was not well-established as a good system of laws protecting endangered species and threatened species and rare species. Uh, there was much less patrolling uh, and guarding of the nesting colonies because the states were not interested so much in, in the protection of nature and the protection of species. And there was also something which is sometimes underestimated. There was much higher mortality in winter because at that, at that time, winters were much more heavy than they are today, due to climate change, of course. So, at a global scale, though, for the Dalmatian pelicans I'm speaking, uh, for example, we knew that the main, main mass, the main uh, um, uh, uh, colonies of, the of this bird were in Russia, uh, in the ex-Soviet uh, Union and Kazakhstan. Uh, but we did not have a clear picture at that time of their numbers and colonies. Uh, there was, this information was there, uh, but uh, it was only in the Russian language literature, so it was not available to the Western, let's say, researchers. Um, and it, to our knowledge, to our best of our knowledge, um, the, British, the breeding population there was much lower than they, they are today. Let's say they were three times smaller. If they... Uh, um, if uh, at present there are, for example, uh, 3,000, 3,500 or 4,000 uh, pairs there, mm -hmm. uh, at that time there were 1,000, for example. So we should, we should understand that in the mid-80s we didn't have information enough to estimate with accuracy, with some sufficient accuracy, uh, what was the, the, the global population. But we knew and we estimated that the global population at that time was much less than 1,000 pairs. 1,000 pairs. Uh, just imagine that today we are speaking about a global population of 8,000 uh, pairs on the average. So at that time, we estimated that there were less than 1,000 pairs. There were probably more than that, but much less than 8,000 so pairs that they are understand. today. Fully understand. For the great white pelican, the great white pelican, uh, uh, we had some information uh, 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 
Don't forget that the great white pelican at that time was breeding only, was nesting, as is the situation today, was nesting only at the Danube Delta and uh, the Prespa colony. Um, there was a very small population at Prespa uh, in the 80s and uh, a big population of around 4,000 pairs at the Danube Delta. That's all that's all we, we knew at that time. We knew that pelic, great white pelicans were present in the Balkans here and there, and they were, they were uh, uh, um, um, watching them at several places, but we didn't know what they are doing. They were doing there. The, the, the global estimations for the global um, uh, population of this bird, both in Africa and in Asia and in Europe, were very, very uh, rough. They knew they we knew that there was a much more common bird than the Dalmatian pelican, but uh, the global estimations were very very rough. So that was the situation at that time when we started uh, working with these two species. Excellent. Yeah, it, it gives me the feeling that uh, uh, with the um, uh, further refining of the studies and the more attention paid and the changing of legislation. Uh, the, there are uh, not just statistically speaking more figures to compare with previous periods 30, 40, 50 years ago, but there seems to be a positive uh, increase both in terms of the accuracy of scientific studies, but also in the numbers of those colonies. And that's something that warms my heart uh, in this uh, uh, conversation and discussion we're having together. Yorgo, uh, uh, on a personal level, what would you say there has, which has been uh, your biggest accomplishment or accomplishments working for the conservation of the Dalmatian pelican and great white pelican? Share with us, share with the audience. Yes, uh, first of all, let me make something clear. Uh, this is, uh, nothing was a, a personal uh, achievement. Nothing is a personal achievement. Uh, the successes are a product of a, of a cooperation of many, many, many people and many organizations and many donors. So it's a, it's a, a collect, collective uh, effort. Um, uh, what we have achieved with uh, Pelicans, uh, there, there were very many of us. And in this case, in the Pelican case, uh, there has been also an international cooperation because uh, uh, the transboundary, let's say, the transboundary dimension uh, of the ecology of these birds. But uh, we will come back to this later, perhaps. So our biggest accomplishments, as I see it now, is that uh, we achieved to have a better monitoring, a better understanding of their, um, um, of their uh, populations. Numbers, numbers. So we, we got better numbers. And if you have better numbers and better um, uh, knowledge, you can uh, take the right decisions. Otherwise, you cannot. So <clears throat> we helped also the creation of new colonies, as you said before, uh, including those that uh, were helped by um, the building and uh, placing of artificial nesting structures like platform nesting platforms and all this, uh, but also others that were naturally, uh, naturally uh, initiated. So we achieved to have a better scientific understanding of their ecology, their movements, their needs, their biology, and this is very important for conservation. Uh, it has been also very, very important to, to stop 
or to limit, to minimize disturbance at several colonies. Uh, with sensitization, with talking to people, with uh, laws, with um, guarding, with um, uh, uh, negotiating with local users and stakeholders, we achieved uh, year after year, all of us, <laughs> especially in the Balkans, all of us to, to oh. achieve the. Uh, we have not won. We have won one. We have not won the war. We have not ensured that they are they are disturbance free. But uh, there has been a lot of progress towards this. Uh, also, it was a, a, an, I consider it a very big achievement that we uh, we achieved. We 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 were managed. We managed to have a network, create a network of people that are interested about pelicans, that they work for pelicans, for the conservation and the protection of pelicans all around the Balkans. And this is very, very important because uh, pelicans uh, are um, uh, depending on that. Um, also, we, uh, by putting all this, all our, by sharing all our data, we were able to create a, a kind of, of database that contains all the available data for these two species of birds from around the Balkans. And um, uh, so in some colonies, we helped the increase uh, by more than 10 times in within 50 years, 40 years. And this is very important. Um, we also uh, uh, managed to increase the number of colonies, as we said, uh, because in the beginning, we have much less colonies. And we were afraid that if something bad happens, and some colonies are exterminated, so the, the species itself will be exterminated uh, also. Um, and of course, a big work of the organizations and the people working for that is that we helped many people to love pelicans, to know them, to respect them, to, uh, to admire them, and of course, uh, to be interested in them. And um, of course, Something which I consider very important is to help people understand that pelicans are not there alone, that pelicans are a part of the wetlands, are a part of the ecosystems they belong to. It's a, so if pelicans are okay, if the whole ecosystem is okay, if the whole ecosystem is not okay, pelicans cannot be okay by themselves. Uh, so uh, for the great white pelicans, on the other hand, there, there is still a lot of things to know. Uh, there are still a, a lot of unanswered questions. Why they, uh, why they are in the Balkans going around? Uh, why they are doing this? Why they don't nest in other wetlands, but only in two wetlands? Um, and so there are many, many uh, still uh, uh, more questions to be answered for the, the great white pelicans. And um, yeah, uh, just to tie in with what you said regarding conservation measures uh, which have been undertaken, and you listed quite a lot of effective uh, uh, ways how to protect pelicans. I, I can also bring in, for example, in Albania, uh, the AOS in collaboration with the regional administration for protected areas in the in fear have built and maintained annually the, the breeding beds, structures that help protect the nest from flooding, and have also established a nightly surveillance system that helps protect the colony from human disturbances, as you mentioned, which is another factor. These measures have helped to largely increase the number of breeding pairs over the last years, peaking uh, uh, at 85 pairs reported in 2020 by our colleagues here at the uh, Albanian Ornithological Society. 
after you mentioned all those effective conservation measures uh, undertaken so far, I can hypothesize and add also there there must have been dark days in all of your research, uh, unsustainable developments in protected areas, uh, and especially um, for us here in Albania, it, it has been a redundant phenomena since the change of the political social system in 1990. And uh, I would call those gray infrastructural, infrastructural developments uh, that mm -hmm. lead to the loss and fragmentation of these habitats, which are crucial for these species. Yorgo, do you think uh, this will be the headline of dangers to wildlife in the future? So those infrastructural developments uh, as one point, or what would be your opinion of potential challenges that can emerge in the future? What are some of the most significant obstacles we will all have to overcome in conserving the Dalmatian pelican and the great white pelican? Yes, um, as I have mentioned before, number one, number one uh, problem uh, for pelicans is uh, the destruction of their uh, of their nesting wetlands, because pelicans can feed in a lot of wetlands and lakes and rivers and deltas and lagoons, but uh, they they should nest only on islands. And islands are in um, are rare. Uh, islands, uh, for example, in the lagoons, as you know, for the Caravasta Lagoon, are not created anymore, or they shrink because of erosion, because fewer sediments are brought by rivers to the lagoons. So um, we have one of the, this is a basic problem. We have to ensure proper good nesting sites for pelicans. We also have um, have to stop the disturbance at colonies, both small colonies and big colonies, by poachers, by fishermen, by legal people, by tourists. But all this, we have to ensure they are free of disturbance. Um, we must. Uh, limit the collision with the overhead wires because too many pelicans are killed by collision and also uh, something which looks like a challenge is to 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 reduce the distance between nesting sites and feeding sites because the last years pelicans tend to nest very far away from the uh, from where they feed and this means a lot of um, commuting a lot of movements and movements have hazards uh, 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 include hazards for the birds. The birds are killed much more easy. So the last years, um, the avian influenza is a, a number one problem. Uh, it is an emerging problem for many wild birds, including pelicans, and we have to take all measures that are possible in order to limit the, the the negative impacts of avian influenza to pelicans, because pelicans are few, pelic, uh, pelican colonies are few, and if some of them are exterminated, then there will be a, a much, uh, a much uh, the, uh, if uh, these few colonies, uh, some of them are disturbed, uh, are uh, ex uh, disappear, uh, there will be a big problem for the species. So the, there is also the, this increased fragmentation of the overall population into small isolated colonies. We, uh, this we have to stop, this, because these colonies must have a contact between them. There must be a communication. There must be uh, an exchange of genetic material from one colony to the others in order 
to maintain the diversity of the genetic uh, material of this species. This is very important to maintain a, a good, a strong species. And uh, of course, there are uh, some some things that we don't uh, consider as important threats the last years, like shooting and killing pelicans, but it still exists and we have to, to work with it. So uh, uh, regarding the, the future challenges, uh, we have to work, as I said, with um, avian influenza. We have to ensure good and proper nesting sites uh, uh, for pelicans in more wetlands than uh, today. We have to create to help creation of new colonies and um, of course put a lot of effort to ensure uh, that small colonies especially like this one in Karabasta and the Skodra uh, uh, in, uh, in, in Lake Skadar the same, uh, um, are maintained because these are small and vulnerable but they are very important for the preservation of the species. So um, we have to keep also uh, uh, low mortality in the corridors where pelicans move from one wetland to the other because in fact that's correct yeah because in in fact pelicans consider the whole balkans as their home as their home they are moving from one wetland to the other they are movement they are they are living at the same time in many different wetlands during one year for example one year cycle so we have to um we have to work with that and at a more global scale, there are still there are um, emerging efforts from people in the Netherlands and in Belgium and in the British uh, Isles to reintroduce the Dalmatian pelicans. And this is this will be very important the next uh, 10, 20 years for the uh, preservation of the global population, because this species was existing there 500 years, 700 years ago, and it was exterminated. But now uh, societies are more uh, are more able to uh, maintain, to, to conserve and protect and establish new colonies for these for these birds. So, um, of course, uh, as an underlying factor in all this is that we should not leave people believe that because the uh, official conservation status of the Dalmatian pelican is uh, near threatened at the global scale and at the European scale is least concerned. No one, in fact, uh, it is considered as a, a, a species with which faces no problems of, uh, um, of uh, extermination. But this is not correct because pelicans rely on wetlands and wetlands are affected heavily by humans through a lot of <laughs> a lot of ways as you said before and unsustainable development for example so pelicans uh, in order to survive and to be maintained uh, should uh, be a part of uh, healthy wetlands so uh, we must not uh, leave people believe uh, that uh, pelicans are sure are are healthy are um, we have are safe no we have to um, to still continue to uh, pro uh, provide funds and financial support for conservation uh, uh, work for pelicans. Otherwise, uh, pelicans who are very much uh, conservation dependent uh, animals um, will face uh, serious threats because pelicans are big, but pelicans are very vulnerable because their colonies are there. Uh, are easily um, 
easily discoverable and they are obvious and anyone can um, uh, disturb their colonies. So these are the, the challenges for the future. And, uh, and uh, you, you listed quite a lot of challenges which uh, tie in very closely and very naturally with my last point of discussion uh, for, for our uh, podcast today, uh, always on the positive side of things. You mentioned uh, international uh, situation, and this ties in with international cooperation for the conservation of the two species. Uh, it's important. But how, uh, in this regard, can Albania, uh, the Albanian Ornithological Society, and other CSOs push with this question in mind? How to collaborate, how to protect the two species? Any thoughts on that, Jorgo? Oh yes, I'm. I'm very glad you 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 put it in this way because international cooperation for pelicans is not just important. Is nothing can be done without international cooperation for the conservation of pelicans because pelicans are very large birds. They are moving all their life from one wetland to the other, and as I said before, pelicans understand the whole Balkan Peninsula as their home. So there are no Greek pelicans, there are no, in fact, Albanian pelicans, no Montenegrin pelicans, no Bulgarian pelicans, no Romanian pelicans, no, I don't know. Uh, pelicans live in the Balkans, and all these populations communicate to each other. Uh, I'm sure you have some uh, some of the pelicans that breed and Carvasta um, Lagoon uh, may have come years ago from... Uh, from Greece. In Greece, we have a lot of pelicans from Lake Skadar, Lake Karavasta uh, place, breeding in our sites because the population is that. And pelicans, it's very easy for them to move uh, very long distances, even within one day. So they are, um, uh, so there is one group of populations. All population is one thing. In, in the Balkans. This is a panmictic population, so there is Albanian blood and Greek blood and Romanian blood and Bulgarian blood everywhere, and Turkish blood everywhere. So uh, we have to, uh, to, to cooperate, we have to exchange uh, understanding, knowledge and uh, statistics about pelicans. We need to, um, to exchange um, know-how um, know in order to be able to help each other and um, uh, ensure the conservation of pelicans. So the conservation of pelicans is n not at all not a, 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 a case of one country. No, we have all together to work for our pelicans because we have our pelicans is the pelicans of southeastern Europe and Turkey and uh, uh, they, uh, up to Ukraine and from Montenegro down to Greece and up to Ukraine. It's one population, in fact, and we have to work together. So uh, we have to we have to look we have to change our mentality and understand that the survival of the Caravasta colony depends. Uh, and uh, on the survival of the Skodar, Skodra colony and the Greek colonies depend on that. And we have a, a connection between uh, the Western, the, all these colonies that lay around, uh, across, uh, along 
the, uh, the Adriatic line, like Skodar, Karabasta, Mbrakikos, Mesolongi, they are exchanging individuals, the health of each, each one. They are a bit isolated, but also they communicate to each other. And the same happens with uh, those uh, Eastern colonies. So we have to work together uh, and we have to work together in order to achieve um, to keep all our transboundary uh, water bodies in a healthier, in a healthy condition, because on these water bodies, pelicans depend. And that's the only way, that's the only way to, to, to achieve the conservation of pelicans. Yorgo, you said something very beautiful, uh, which I would compare it to nowadays uh, Balkans and what we think about the area we all live in. The pelicans are way ahead of us in the way how they see the surroundings, the territory. They see no borders. We should, we should look like them. We should think like them. And we should perhaps embrace the way they live and try to assist and share responsibilities and make sure that they have a... Uh, uh, good uh, um, conditions uh, and uh, at the same time we will benefit from the fact that uh, their numbers are going up. And let me add something here uh, which it, it reminds me always is part of what I do. I, I wear two hats. I usually say one is an archaeologist hat and the other one is a national tour guide. And when it comes to wildlife tourism uh, or, or ethical wildlife tourism, uh, for, for example, I've been included in several uh, uh, state commissions for the certification of national guides. Uh, also, uh, Taulian Bino, the head of AOS, is a trainer for natural, national tourism uh, and natural tourism as well. We're pretty aware of the importance of the responsible development of every form of tourism. Uh, the more conscious uh, that uh, any unethical development of natural tourism, uh, which can cause problems for wildlife. Is this, Yorgo? A recent concern in your country? Um, what do you think is responsible and what can be done in this direction? I think this is a natural question that arises from all this discussion we're having today. Well, uh, I don't think that in, in the, in the, in the uh, let's say, capitalist system we, are, we live in, uh, in the Western world, uh, uh, someone has permanently resolved this uh, question which is always a challenge. There is always a challenge. How to uh, to be able to uh, to harmonically uh, uh, join and um, and mix and find the the the, the most uh, ideal mix between uh, profit and um, uh, commercial activity and uh, tourist tourism and uh, all these um, let's say economic activities. Uh, with the conservation of uh, nature, with the respecting carrying capacity of uh, of ecosystems. Uh, so th this is the essence of the um, uh, of um, of conservation. This is the essence of ecology, um, and um, there are no yet as yet there are no um, standard answers to to these questions. We have to. Uh, we have to um, uh, to fight for this. We have to, um, uh, as organizations working for the environment, we have to uh, inspire uh, the society to understand uh, this other dimension that we we think we are we understand. 
so uh, and to find another to, to to find another way of life that will permit will allow uh, a healthy nature to to coexist with a healthy um, um, economic with healthy economic activities uh, with a healthy way of life of our societies. And um, uh, indeed, I would like to say um, thank you to you, Yorgo, for those uh, green and positive messages you radiated today in our discussion. And uh, I'm sure our audience, our AOS friends, um, uh, our international friends uh, will all um, reflect on the discussion, the messages, the problems and the positive aspects of uh, protecting and promoting uh, the uh, the knowledge on the two species. And uh, in um, my humble Greek language, I would also like to say, thank you very much. It was a very, uh, a real pleasure for me to participate in this, um, in this effort. Let's call this uh, one of those excellent, good international communications for common causes. Thank you very much once again.